Welcome, one and all, Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar Bears, your favorite drinks. Have a seat and join in on the conversation. Let the tanginess of our humble ale bring you to new heights of delight and intrigue. We are docked on the harbor this evening, set to sail, for we command the seven seas this evening. <laughs> in all seriousness, tonight's topic is leadership. I don't think I can express this enough. Leadership is an aspect of life that I both neglect yet revere. I've always harbored this belief. To lead is by example. I always respected the idea. It's simple but powerful. The people for whom you wish to command respect will never do so unless you give them a reason to. And the best way to do that is to do what you would also command your unit. Such a simple premise, and yet I find that this is rarely something most modern leaders do these days. Heck, even the phrase, do as I say, not as I do, stems from the normality of those who try to take charge rarely even follow the ideas and ways they preach. Practice what you preach, if you will. It's, it's a shame, really. Now, I know you're wondering. If I neglect it, then who am I to judge? And fair enough. I simply don't believe myself to be leadership material. At least not yet. I understand to some extent the burden and sacrifice one needs to, make, to be an effective leader. True leadership requires making the tough decisions. It requires, to make you, it requires you to make wise, sound decisions. It requires one to be honest, not only with themselves, but the people they govern. It requires resourcefulness. Of course, compassion plays a key role here as well. No good leader is a leader if they are not for the people. Such an obvious requirement, but here too, this is often played for farce. Where our leaders appeal to the compassion of men these days and offer nothing more, a distasteful and dishonest approach that lays the seeds of corruption upon the masses, it's discerning. The avarice of power and wealth while fading for truth and justice. Of course, leadership extends more than just politics. Businesses share this burden as well and just as acutely. How do we see our superiors direct poorly, yet earn either no consequences or unearned praise? Personally, it feels this happens too often. Clearly, I, I speak from experience. It, it kind of stemmed this little chat, to be fair. For while I am no commander in the slightest, I do often see the failures of management unfold in quite disturbing detail. Such as a higher-up just the other day, struggling with what was going on with a particular unit that, while he was someone who worked in the corporate office, still had to know the machinations of the facility for which he led, and calling me shot when he couldn't identify the problem. And even when he was told of the problem by another and yours truly, he seemed more puzzled than ever before and continued to doubt our not our knowledge. I would like to know how that guy earned his position. 
How do you run and operate this facility when you have such little knowledge of it? I'm no advanced engineer, no, but at least in the position I'm at in the place, I am not required to know how these machines work in the way he needed to know. Imagine if we, bo- if this scenario, we both didn't know what to do. Would I not have been fired for not knowing? Most likely. After all, it's at least my job to have some idea. But somehow my superior knew nothing? Really? What are these managers being taught? At least have some idea. You didn't even know what the name of the machine was. I can't help but see that as a red flag. Wait, no, uh, okay, my bad. Maybe I lost track for a moment there. Okay, anyway. What do we want to see in a good leader? How do we prepare ourselves as well as future generations? Should there be stricter standards as to ensure only the best and most capable reach these coveted positions? Why do we put much emphasis as we do on leadership? To me, I think it's something we hold dear as an instrument to what we consider progress. Even if it's subjective, having an organized state of affairs is much more advantageous than to simply go with the flow and scatter disunion. Cooperation, for the most part, contributes to our shared goal at hand, whatever that may be. Though it's at least at this point served us well with Sure, plenty, admittedly, plenty of hiccups throughout time. So how do you coordinate yourself? Do you, how, do you follow a plan that was constricted long ago for you, or do you just go with the flow? Do you personally find being in control of your life rewarding or restricting? Is that in itself a form of leadership? Or does it not at all prepare you for the role at hand? What do you think, Drew? I think when you look at the different criteria that that are uh, pretty uh, vanilla across the board for any type of leadership position, I I think that there is a, a certain level of things that need to be a certain amount of check boxes that need to be checked off. And honestly, with regards to that. Uh, the ability to foster teamwork, the ability to uh, command attention and uh, cooperation in any project that you're doing, no matter how minute or insurmountable, and establishing a baseline of, of morale within the company that you keep, those are the things I think that are universal across the board when it comes to leadership. But when you are looking at it from a more corporate standpoint or when it comes to a business, I'm, because again, leadership isn't just in business. If you look at it, leadership is also in military, um, anything that requires there to be some specific alpha position in, 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 in a given activity requires a level of leadership, even in family units that, you know, that specifics, there are criteria within that that are pretty basic that have to be upheld as well. But Fair. it sounds like you're you're more focusing on uh, corporate slash uh, work related leadership. 
And within that criteria, there are much, it kind of spirals off into a direction. And I think that with regards to that, there are a bunch of different things, even in that particular category, that are often overlooked by, as you were talking about, by specific leaders or management. And it has to do with a level of disconnect that is fostered by the highest echelons of power within, within that company. Often what ends up happening, and especially in your example, there is a, there is a detachment within the hiring groups of man- for management that depending on their philosophy of hiring, they may hire from without exclusively, hire from within exclusively, or hybrid depending on the, the, move, the movement of the business. Okay. Often, but often there tends to be a focus more on one over the other. And it, I'm thinking in your case, it's definitely they, they were hiring from without and the individual in question just had absolutely no idea beyond his own managerial skills what anything was within your particular department. Is disconnect a inherent trait that comes with the leadership role? Because I know that at least as you command a larger and larger populace, it becomes more and more difficult to become uh, more personally involved within uh, higher concentrations of the populace. Well, yes, uh, but that has more to do with what level of management you're referring to. And in all honesty, when you when you look at let's take a let's take your standard retail uh, hierarchy, as it were, for, for lack of a better term, corporate structure, whatever. Any given store at the highest point in that store is the store manager. Under that individual, there's usually department managers and potentially a, and one of them being an assistant store manager, though depending on that, depending on the format, most of those man, most of those department managers have at least some cursory understanding of the store management position in case the store manager is out for whatever reason or he steps down so that the company can you know flawlessly shift any of those people into a store management position. When you get down to when you get down to supervisory positions, if there aren't any, depending on the size of the business, those would be your those tend to be viewed as your middle management. They tend to command smaller parts of the departments, and then you have the the hourlies. And usually, administration tends to be parallel to the middle management, at least as far as authority is concerned. But that's basically up to the store manager for store manager discretion. Um, when it comes to that, the store manager tends to be, have a better understanding of what's going on in their store and can appropriately take over any position as necessary because as a manager, you're called upon to do that. When you get beyond that, district manager, regional manager, uh, corporate office, that kind of stuff, then there's where you start to see that disconnect. If a, and if your business is sufficiently large enough, those individuals probably have absolutely no idea how the business functions beyond their own specific job specifications, with rare exceptions, because very, very rarely do corporates, corporations hire from within or upgrade from within when it comes to corporate office, because there's a certain level of 
uh, college re- college requirements for those individuals, or at the very least, particular math skills and uh, computing skills required for their job. So yes, the detachment's pretty high. Within your example, I have no idea what that person's relation to your particular department was, but I imagine that they probably were corporate office based and they genuinely have no idea how your how anything functions beyond the fact that you do things. Yeah, that's probably the case. I didn't really ask, but that was only because he he was he was almost for certain someone from the corporate office. And to my knowledge, at the very least, most of them are supposed to know at least the very basics of what goes on in our in our building. So it kind of left me baffled as to how this guy didn't even know the most ascent, the most basic components or the basic uh, troubleshooting tech no, tactics that we were using, let alone the machine itself. But I mean, neither here nor there. Uh, so if a if a company gets this, if, or I should say, if a body of if a body of organization becomes as large as it does, and is it is it truly necessary to really have such uh, s- such a hierarchy of leadership, or is it the only reason why I feel that it is? It's only because I can't fathomly imagine having such um responsibility over such a large populace i mean in particular politics for example i don't think that i don't think a single person could manage uh an example let's say the u.s a population of 300 million people with over 2,000 square miles of of land would it would be ridiculous but at the same time i think we've been very laxing in terms of what our representatives and what our uh, leaderships, um, leaders below the hierarchy have been faring in terms of performance. They've basically been relatively garbage, in my personal opinion. But well, well, if you're looking, if you're looking at this from a job performance standpoint. Um, usually within that case, there's measures put into place that allow for these individuals to suffer critique from the people who they're supposed to represent. Uh, I'm being basic, obviously. There are much more complicated things in place beyond uh, censure and just being voted out as far as political positions are concerned. And within your local uh, political spheres, it's much more it's much more manageable for your everyday person to see how all the pieces move and shift because there's less, um, unless there's something, unless there's an underlying necessity from an outside force, you, that things are less likely to fall into disrepair with regards to the checks and balances put in place. Somebody does something incorrect or something that's catastrophically incorrect. Often those individuals have to face some sort of consequences for their actions because it's yeah. too small. They're in it. They're in too small of a group not to be found out quick with, with quick, uh, with quickness as far as I can tell. Now, when you're talking about your situation where you're talking about the highest echelons of power in uh, say America, you, you do have to understand that, yes, it's kind of daunting to realize that an individual is 
literally presiding over a large body of people of, of that type, but they're not doing it alone by any measure. Obviously, I mean, I know you're aware of that. They don't have, yeah. they, don't, they don't do those things on their own. They have a large, they have a large governing body under them that does a lot of the extracurricular work that they wouldn't be able to do by themselves. No man is, a, no man is a machine when it comes to things like that. And I don't, and I personally wouldn't even, if, if having to, you know, observe the day in the life of, of, of our, you know, of our president or even the legislature, I don't see that there would be any, there's a lot more handoff and doll and, and uh, a delegation of responsibility that happens. They're essentially in that regard, very much a filtration and mouthpiece place, but they do have points where they actually do govern a more in more direct, direct methodology, but it's more necessary for them to ensure that others are doing a lot of that heavy lifting because they, they, there's no feasible way that they can have the expertise necessary to cover every single um, subject matter that would be required for that governing body to cover. They have just enough understanding or should have just enough understanding to be able to, you know, converse with the differing departments that they have to talk with during the course of any given day. So it's more of a, they, they have just enough to be dangerous. They have just enough understanding to be dangerous, I guess, is the, is the metaphor I'm looking for here. Okay. So with that being said, why is it that we only, at least in this particular country, why, why is it that you believe, no, why is it that you think that uh, people tend to just simply blame the, uh, the highest person in power then when clearly he, clearly this person in power can't clearly do everything on their own require. It's a very complicated cognitive machine that requires maintenance from more than just a single person to operate. Why is it that, why do you think that people tend to blame the highest source of power rather than the, the other pieces themselves? Because if you look at the way the structure is and the filtration and bottlenecking that happens with regards to decisions, the ultimate arbiter of the final decisions, be they good, bad, or otherwise, will fall on the highest echelons of power. They are the face of that company, corporation, government body. Therefore, they have to deal with the slings and arrows that come with that position. It is the okay. it is the drawback of being in power. So the, the prestige is what comes with it. Okay. The buck stops with, with the that. That's just what it is. The now, reason why I ask is it hasn't always been that way. I know that it this sort of this sort of way of thinking only started be only began relatively recent. It was shortly after I believe FDR came into the office where it was no longer simply about how Congress ran government, but rather how the president responds to, um, uh, to emergencies, crises, or, um, or other non-emergency situations. Well, if you look, it, the, the parallels between uh, governing and management are actually much more plentiful than you'd imagine. And with regards to anything that happens, let, 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 let's put let's use the store manager example again. Uh, somebody at the lower points, middle management makes a mistake, and 
they the, the, the going back up and going up to the store manager, uh, the regional manager comes across it happening. The, the store manager and the associating uh, management and and uh, uh, supers are the ones who are going to end up getting a lot of the flack for it. But ultimately, the store manager is the one who takes full responsibility for it. It's owning. It's the concept of owning the fault. Even if it isn't directly your fault, if it happened under your watch, it's still something that is your responsibility to resolve and ensure it does not happen again because it's your job. It's built into the framework of who you are in the company. The same goes for governing. If something goes wrong in, in some particular type of governance or handling of an emergency, you are ultimately the person who is who has the finger pointed at them unless there's a level of nuance that the that, that media and the public are willing to put forth and not actually t- you know point the finger directly at you obviously it's a bit more compartmentalized because in a lot of cases the, the president of the united states is not going to be responsible for something that happens in the states because of the way our constitution is the highest point in that would be the governor or the legislative bodies associated with that state but that pecking order still in place as you pare down into the states and into the different municipalities that are included. So there is definitely a, enough enough of a disconnect for me to be able to ensure that even the highest points of power aren't going to constantly have to shoulder the responsibility for the people under them. But that's only unique to the to, to the United States because of the way our government is set up. Okay, yeah, that's true. Fair enough. Now, if you're, you you seem to be trying to push in a specific direction, it sounds like you're referring to the last administration and a lot of the, the, the uh, slings and arrows that individual had taken. Uh, that had more to do with the way, because if you look at the way each president is in, is in power for, the amount of push and pull within the media definitely has more to do with the amount of connections that individual has to the media where the wind can be definitely in the, in their favor in most cases, but in this in this case with the different things that were occurring behind the scenes long a little before he that person got elected, there was much that that person was all but all but guaranteed to shoulder a larger portion of even for that they absolutely had nothing to do with. It just was what it was because that was that that was the environment that that person was governing under. I mean, not necessarily. Well, I mean, about not uh, if I was leading to that direction, because technically, ever since ever since Kennedy's uh, presidency, the media has always had some sort of uh, fixation on on the U.S. president and how they uh, deal with policy and. Uh, crises. So they've always had at least some sort of bias, whether positive or negative, uh, to the president. And that, I think that has slowly grown over the past few decades. And its influence over that fact kind of shaped uh, the way people uh, think nowadays in, comes, in terms to how they view their president. But I think, I, I mean, that's only if you, you know, pay attention only to the your local media's rather than 
exploring, you know, other no other news sources because clearly, at least when it comes to our nation, the media is incredibly biased, if not flat out corrupt. Well, that is a separate conversation. That has more to do with talking yeah. about media and media biases being polarized. I don't want to get into that particular topic because that is in and of itself another hour to two hour conversation that we could have. But it's duly noted yeah. within the context of what we were talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. So the what I what I was uh, just simply trying to go on to buy is just how in objectively how a how we see view our leaders and how how their actions have effectively either reinforced us or um, basically uh, divided us essentially and that's more due to their own personal do their own personal actions rather than what uh, the what the media has been willing to show us at the very least. It is what it is. I, I, like I said, I don't want to elaborate further on that. If you if you'd like to discuss on a separate conversation when we uh, in a in a later episode, I'd be happy to talk about it. But with regards to what we're doing, it, it, what we're talking about now, it's just a factor in with with regards to leadership as a whole. Leadership definitely does fail and succeed on the on, on public opinion, and if you're and and that has to do definitely with with morale of the people with which you're leading, as it were, and that's another aspect of leadership that we definitely did talk about earlier as, as something that's very much taken for granted by a lot of people who are in those positions until it is too late and needs to be fixed. In a lot of cases, if you look at the way corporate structuring is, there's a reactionary response to pretty much everything, rather than just rather than just dealing with it on the front side. The the the, the, the saying goes, an ounce of prevention over a pound of cure. And when it comes to corporate corporations, retail, any business with a management structure, that's never put into exercise unless it's unless you have a manager who actually has their finger on the pulse of what's going on in their business. And I think that more has to do with the, the general scope of the manager of the management the per, management presiding and how big of a group of people they're presiding over. True, I agree. I think that's well meant, well said. But in, in with regards to that, because I, 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 I have personal stories when when it comes to those things, I used to work for a company that was a small retail chain that dealt with uh, board games and they sold uh, slot machines. It's one of those catch-all like hobby stores that you'd see uh, in shopping malls. And they were a chain and one of their locations was looking to term, the, the, the regional manager was going in to terminate the, the manager because they believed that that individual was not focused on the business plan that the company was striving for. Uh, so the, the, the regional manager had gone in, had went and uh, fired that manager. Well, the manager had walked out the door and the, um, 
the person who was on duty that morning because the, the, the regional manager came in to do it first thing in the morning had asked the manager what had happened. The manager explained himself. And when the regional manager came out to talk to this, talk to the, uh, the hourly, the hourly quit shortly after thus started a domino effect. The regional manager went down the, uh, employee list and started calling these individuals and every per, every single one of them quit after hearing what resulting in an absolute complete wipeout of that store's employees and management all in one fell swoop. This had occurred. I see. Christ. This had occurred because the, the morale of the store was based on the man- manager. The manager was in, in it taking care of his employees more than he was taking care of whatever the business plan was within with regards to what the regional manager had believed that he was doing. I don't know how far that extended to, but they de- the manager definitely had his finger on the pulse of the morale of the store that he actually had the camaraderie of the entire store. That's actually really cool. <laughs> Depends on your perspective. If you're the regional manager who was now panicking because they they had to basically watch over the store until they could get they could get people to come in to uh, watch the store until they could hire more people or downsize that store, which probably would have been the case at that point. It really depends. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a disaster. But I meant on the, com- like you said, the camaraderie, the camaraderie of the, uh, 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 of the staff that they had with the with the manager that while he was there, and I think that's actually very commendable. I is because. You don't really find that too often these days where there is a level though there is such a strong bond between uh, in, uh, management and their staff. Usually they're so disconnected that they end up building up uh, hatred for one another. Well, enmity usually happens when there's a breakdown in communication. That's one of the major things that most people don't pay attention to with regards to that stuff. People just seem to think that these particular companies operate in, in a vacuum. And that ma- mindset stems from the ground up. And there tends to be a hands-off approach when it comes to dealing with um, people who are under you, specifically in regards to interpersonal relationships in that regard there's a certain level of uh strictly business that you should have with regards to anybody who's under your employ but it just depends on the comfort level of the manager who's who's in control of that situation if they're not usually a social person and that that's something that they're that, that they have a deficiency in it definitely will show in the way that they manage and the way that the people under them manage because that stuff tends to flow downward and it, and it bleeds into the, the overall behavior of the people who work under them. And with regards to that kind of stuff, especially as somebody who's observed you know, different differing management styles over the course of my life and having, a, uh, having a, 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 I'm sorry, having a rapport with 
one of the management I used to work with and getting a better understanding of the different inner workings of that sort of thing. It gives me a, de- it gives me a definite new, uh, respect for the amount of nonsense that's usually dealt with with regards to management. It's also given me a healthy fear of ever having to do higher management. I've done middle management and I've been a, a equivalent to a department manager before. But that was in my younger years where I was more of a smaller business and it didn't really matter at that point. But with regards to larger groups, I would imagine it's much more of a headache, especially because not only are you dealing with the different employees who work with you, you also have to deal with different customer problems and stuff to that nature. And honestly, as someone who's worked in retail as long as I have, I would prefer to avoid that like I, like the plague mainly because it's just there's it's a never ending battle and you're never going to truly win. Yeah, I can I can totally get that. I don't even have that much experience in retail and I can already tell that's a fucking nightmare. Pardon my language. It, it it's it's definitely a stress issue and if you're in retail long enough it definitely will color the way that you see people outside of the retail perspective because you yourself because oh, yeah, you yourself it's a it's a symbiotic relationship because you yourself are a customer outside of work so you have this level of empathy with the way with the way things operate as a customer but you tend to we t- you tend to favor the employees more with any place that you go to so it makes you much more uh cautious about things that you ask for or things that you do almost to the point of walking on eggshells because you can see yourself in the beleaguered looks of individuals, be they, you know, hourly or salaried people, because they're dealing with differing, differing temperaments walking into their door from people who just want to get things and, and, you know, get out and get on with their lives to people who are, you know, bargain hunters and people who just have no, that just refuse to give no quarter when it comes to, what they want out of a retail experience versus what is realistically able to be offered the mile and a half that people expect out of, out of any given grouping of retail companies is much higher than what is very much able to be accomplished by those individuals. And that has more to do with the people that they, that they're, that they're conversing with more than it has to do with the amount of flexibility offered at that point, at least as far as I've noticed. Yeah, basically the exploitation of the phrase, the customer is always right, which I think I'm starting to uh, disagree with at this point. <laughs> I don't disagree with it because at the end of the day, the statement, the, the chicken or the egg statement in retail is, is without customers, you're not going to have product to sell. But the individual is, but the individual problem with that is, is that, again, both are necessary to have a retail situation. What are you selling a person if you have nothing to sell them? You're selling them an idea? At that point, it has nothing to do with a retail situation. So a customer is right only as far as they can get away with being right is more, is more the observable data as far as I've seen. And in all honesty, it's more what they think they can get away with in regards to you know, taking the mile when offered an inch, so to speak. And that really has more to do with the temperaments of the people who they're working with. If, a, if, if an employee and ultimately their supervisor and manager are going to go that extra length in the face of a negative situation, 
that has more to do with how far one's willing to acquiesce their personal their personal uh, their personal agency in with with regards to a business acquisition or of some sort or proposition. And honestly, within that paradigm, there are a lot more questions to ask as to why an individual would go to such lengths, especially in, bo- in regards to both parties. Yes, you you want to you want to make sure a person has what they has what they need, but going so far as to go well above and beyond what what is realistically necessary ultimately is cutting off your nose to spite your face, and because you may cost yourself more money in in potential in potentia if that person doesn't end up coming back anyways after they've already grifted you for however much you've given them. It's it's really I mean, it's it's a case by case basis. Yeah, I was, because I was about to say, is it even worth it for that particular customer to return though? Given the fact that they are uh, essentially stole out of you for quite a no, quite a decent chunk of your potential profits. I mean, they could easily just return back and try it again with a far more egregious deal. <laughs> Well, in in regards to those particular situations, it's it's up to the management to be able to discern the genuine uh, nature of the individual who's going that far. With regards to creating what is referred to in the business as career customer or uh, longtime customers, it's much more appealing for a manager to go a little bit further beyond. But there's always an, there's an unspoken understanding between that customer. And the company slash person that they will usually work with, because it's usually somebody specific that they work with to establish that long-term relationship. It's literally those individuals coming to an agreement what is worth it for them to be able to go and do. In in my previous job, I had an individual who had who had bought from our company almost as long as I'd been working there. And the way that that person had purchased, they owned several blocks of apartments and they usually were replenishing cabinetry, et cetera, whenever they needed to. But they were using us as a set type of semi storage for the stuff that they were buying. The issue, the, the, the positive of this is, is they were buying tens of thousands of dollars worth of cabinetry. So the, 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 square, the square footage of sales that they were asking us to hold for them to keep whenever they would actually come and pick those things up, which was usually by the end of the year, they would usually order at the beginning of the year and pick it up by the end. It, what it, to the manager, it was worth it to be able to take that level of real estate and use it as storage for them because they were make, we were making so much money to be able to go and do that kind of business was something that felt was felt to be a risk worth taking especially because they had spent okay. hundreds of thousands of dollars with us as a customer over the course of the years. So with, with such effective leadership, there was not only a means to help promote the business, but also increase profits and attain essentially long-term customers. That is something that we need to look more towards when it comes to our leaders that actually know in particular management that know what the hell they're doing to be able to push more towards those uh, lucrative opportunities. Ultimately, that depends on the type of business it is. 
if if, that is if it's true. retail, there are a lot of ways that a, any given you know supervisor manager can go the extra length. And in most cases, for any given customer, it's just a matter of just walking with that individual and giving them the specialized treatment necessary for them to feel like someone cares about them enough to for them to continue doing business with the company, which is perfectly reasonable. When it comes to something that's well above yeah. and beyond. Often, when it, often those customers generally prefer to talk to the management because it's easier for the managers to be able to make those decisions anyways because they have the authority to do so, be it because they have yeah. control over the, uh, the retail space enough where they can make those particular calls, and moreover, because they are willing to shoulder the responsibility if something goes wrong. So what would you say the type of leader would be, ne- uh, would be necessary for one that isn't necessarily retail-based, give or take, like a factory position for an example? Um, If you're looking for basic criteria, at least from what the, uh, if we're going by the example that you set forth in the monologue, uh, my statement would be having a baseline understanding of how the business functions in the differing departments. It does not have to be a grand understanding because that would be very difficult depending on how big your business is and how many moving parts there are. With regards to anything like that, um, yeah. make, keeping up, keeping up appearances, uh, keeping morale at, at a baseline obviously is necessary. Not necessary as the highest echelons when it comes to corporates. Corporate very rarely it will interact with the different departments unless it's necessary for them to do so. So it's not realistic for them to you have to champion morale in any meaningful way beyond doing any sort of sort of special occasion based things like, you know, vacation time or, you know, holidays, etc. That has to more with to do with dictates from the higher ups with regards to functioning yeah. within the you know, differing departments as, you know, taking over in that regard. I don't think it's nearly as necessary as one would imagine because if they're not going out onto the floor often enough for it to be necessary for them to have that knowledge, it's not feasible for them to understand that if they have other things that they're, if they're supposed to do. Fair enough. I think I agree. I think in particular, the one I, uh, I can respect the most is the sense of morality. Cause I think for, at least in my particular case, when it comes to experience, that is definitely something that is warranted given how bleak, gloom, and depressing that place is. And I, I, don't, I don't think I could speak any further on it, but a nice morale boost would be nice. If... <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, that's something that has to do with management overall. And usually when you have situations where morale starts to decline, the higher-ups tend to notice that with regards to productivity. If productivity starts to go down across the board, there is the, the, the feelers start coming out with regards to why that's occurring. If it's something to do with you know illness, that's a separate headache. But with regards to the overall morale of the company, it's something that's usually rectified pretty quickly because the, the higher-ups will start asking questions of management and supervisors to why people aren't working effectively. The problem that stems from this is, depending on those, ma- those managers and supervisors, how they address the situation usually isn't considered positive. It's more of a cracking of the whip scenario in some, in some ne- as they believe that the, the situation requ- requires them to be more strict rather than resolve each individual situation. 
it's much easier to have a blanket blanket solution rather than go and you know start sorting out a hundred million different things with a hundred million different people depending on the the, the scope of the the, the uh, decline as it were Fair it's enough. not good by any measure but with it that really depend like I said it's the discretion of it's the discretion something? of the the management. I mean, yeah, I mean, at least it's understandable. I'm not, I'm not, I don't agree with it, but yeah, it's, I get it. I'm not a fan of it either. And in all honesty, it, it's easier to get, what was the statement? It's much easier to get flies with honey than vinegar. And in a lot of cases, that's what ends up occurring. And you end up getting people who are good quality workers who are brought down low by an environment that feels hostile to them, be it because of other fellow employees or because of their management, not understanding what their needs are. But that also ends up being a breakdown in communication, as I've said. That is always the primary issue when it comes to any dis- any any dispute with regards to a company or or you know a grouping as a whole. Nobody's if nobody's voicing their opinions because of an overt fear that they're not going the either reprisal or flat out being disregarded. Eventually, they're just going to stop responding to the to the management in a positive way. It's either going to be neutral or outright vitriolic, depending on the extent of the abuse or neglect, as it were. And that will overall further erode the, uh, the, the quality of work done across the board, something that many people don't seem to really correlate between those two things, because people have, especially people in, in places of management, tend to have a very black and white viewpoint of how things actually need to uh, actually happen around them. So depending, again, like I said, it depends on the individuals who are in in those positions of management, how they're going to execute uh, different different, uh, uh, resolution plans when it comes to those particular disputes. Something that needs to be done more proactively, but again, it's a case-by-case basis. If it's a situation where somebody's doing something, you know, criminally illegal, obviously you do something much more negative. But if it's something where a person does not feel either they're being compensated effectively with hours or money or they're not being given the recognition necessary, one of the major problems that a lot of people have is there's this belief that they need to be recognized to continue doing good work. And I agree with that to an extent, but the expectation definitely needs to be tempered with the understanding that the people who are you know, above you only have so much vision to be able to do that kind of stuff. And when it comes to the it comes to a situation people who don't the the situations that are working smoothly are the things that don't get recognized because those are the things that don't actively stick out to a person when it comes to uh any given situation negative things stick out more more readily in people's minds it's just the way that humans function it's weird so again you're not going to get the recognition unless you bring it to the attention of the people who are you're working for Something that needs something that everyone needs to understand, no matter what position they are in in a company. If you want to be recognized, you better darn well be ready to put all that information out. Proof is always in the pudding. Fair enough. That's actually wonderfully said. Okay. I mean, now we can circle back to the concept of leadership as a whole, but was there any other questions that you had? No, I think, I think we've, I think we've, uh, done a remarkable job at least exploring the different aspects of leadership and expanding upon certain parts when it comes to uh, management and uh, 
and employee interaction. Yep. And as far as government's concerned, they're much, that, that's the same situation. One of the other things that I, that, uh, I, I neglected to mention as part of criteria for being, being in a management position or in a governing position is you need to be able to make the hard decisions. Be they good, bad, or otherwise, it, there needs to be somebody who's going to ultimately be the one who pulls the trigger. If something groundbreaking is going to occur, be it expansion, destruction, or something in the middle. And that's something that a lot of people don't view as something as positive because it's often a negative outcome. And that's one of the things that is that has definitely stuck with me as a, a con- part of a conversation I've had with, with, ma- with managers that I've known. Being able to make those tough decisions is ultimately one of the very high high points for people when it comes to them being as managers, whether it be, you know, terminating somebody for gross negligence or, you know, making, uh, making a decision on, uh, on other aspects of employment for other people, be it disciplinary action, promotion, et cetera. These things are ultimately heavily weighed, weighed decisions and often are something that people take for granted because when you're viewing things from an hourly perspective, you just think that it shouldn't, shouldn't be that big of a deal you know, just give them more money or just promote them. It's like, no, there are a lot of criteria and things that options that need to be weighed when somebody makes those decisions, unless you're a rock star in your position. And that's just a reflexive action to be able to promote you. There are a lot of consequences for doing those things. And more, more often people don't seem to understand in when it comes to having people who do their job, a lot of people in corporations don't really understand that if they're doing their job well, their company generally isn't going to move them out of that position because if you're doing a job well, why would they want you to move away from it? Unless we go for some of the companies out there, and I'm not going to mention it, but he, at least not by name, but they do hold mouse ears that uh, tend to, despite the fact that they're you know losing ratings and essentially lots and lots of money over it, and that they still feel that they need to con- keep that one particular person under contract regardless. And I don't know what it is that they're thinking, but uh, it only leaves me with more questions than answers. Well, with regards to, to those particular situations, you can't possibly understand what the moving parts were because you are not, you do not have the ability to be a fly on the wall for the conversations that occurred outside of that particular situation. And I think ultimately that's something that a lot of people don't really take into account with regards to those things uh, because they're, they have a very clear cut view of things based on the evidence that they've been presented without understanding further what, what might also be happening in the back. Fair enough. Yeah. You can disagree with it. And obviously in regards to what you were referring to, many people do. I just, again, no, at the very least, you, you're looking at it from both sides and not necessarily making a uh, an overly an overly zealous or rash uh, uh, conclusion, and that's perfectly admirable. I mean, I'm not trying to do the same. It just has me more skeptical more than anything. And within that context, I think that your skepticism is well-deserved. You should feel that way because anybody who's looking at this from the outside perspective has a specific viewpoint of how things have played out because they don't have any further understanding of what's occurring. 
They see what is happening in the public eye, what's happening on social media, and they're making a making a, a decision based on that information. Fair enough. But maybe, like you said, because we're because there is a significant portion that's left in the shadow that we can't quite we can't quite know, at least not yet. If anything. <sighs> Perhaps it's still something that we shouldn't be uh, overly judgmental on. Yes and no. I think honestly, uh, you you should still cast you, you should still cast the judgment on what's occurring based on the based on the surface level information, even with the little information, the, the little underground information that was acquired. It, it's what you, you should still have. A, you should still form an opinion regardless. You don't have to do go go the lengths I did, obviously, but I think I think a lot of no. people have a colored perspective on that particular situation based on their own proclivities, and I and for me, I just I can't I don't feel compelled to get angry about something that I can't see both sides of before I make a decision. Between that uh, that person's story and the company's story, the truth resides right in the middle in most cases. And it might be something much more banal or much more malevolent, depending on what the further information ends up being. So one of the major things that I I, I find disdainful about about uh, dis about discourse within the sort within the public square that exists right now, there's very much a jump to conclusions, and I've been just as guilty of it as any other person because, again, in a lot of cases, you run into a situation where people tend to read the headlines and assume assume a situation based only on the headline and don't read any further than that because there's not enough fucking hours in the day. Pardon my French, but that's literally the situation that most people have with regards to that. It's the reason why social media is such a weird experience. It's also a reason why people in leadership have such a disdain for it because you do not have any of the nuance necessary for people to understand why those decisions were made. Uh, just like just like any other topic, it's certainly a lot more complicated than just a simple uh, a simple face value. So it's at the very least, it's given me something to ponder about a little more. And that's really at the end of the day, that's how we function here at the Tiki Bar. We just at this point, we just want to cultivate under cultivate understanding and further people thinking. We want people to be able to springboard off into whatever kind of, you know, intellectual thought processes they wish to go to. Cause I, I don't feel any need to taint any perspective, but I'm certainly not going to prevent people from not having all the further understanding. And with regards to leadership, taking personal responsibility is something that I think people need to understand is also a part of it. And if there is a disconnect with, with regards to that, and you see that happening as an, as an hourly or an outside source, do feel free to rectify it with that person's higher higher ups as necessary. People are not there. People, people do not have qualified immunity when they are in a, a position of power. They are just as culpable as any other person. And that's something that needs to be further drilled home when it comes to management and it comes to governance. Nobody is above the, the societal laws we placed. And that's something that needs to be brought down to the, these individuals, especially as they make dictums and do under uh, possible underhanded things that may have may occur. Agreed, especially if that said manager is uh, illiterate and uh, 
this is not the same one that I was discussing. It's a different one entirely. And when I found out about that, I was fucking mortified. Uh, pardon my French. That sounds like a personal failing on, on the higher ups for allowing that individual to exist in the position that they're in with having those deficiencies. And that needs to be rectified post haste. Agreed. If you, unless you have anything else, I think we've wrapped everything up nicely. I think we did. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. It was great to see you all once more. Feel free to uh, grab your favorite drink on your way out, and we hope you return for another exciting installment of Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. We'll keep your favorite glass waiting. Thank you for listening in to the Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. We are humbled that you have given us your time to listen to us discuss things. If you would like to hear more from us, you'd like to see more from us, uh, I have personally a account on Twitter under the name of Ragnarok Knight. My co-host here also has an account on Twitter as well. He goes under the name of Punk Toast. We also have a Facebook page under the name of Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar if you would like to uh, check that out for updates on when we have our sessions. We also have our voicemail link in the show notes. We will be having voicemails read during the course of our records going forward, as long as there are voicemails to be, re- to be listened to. Um, any further inquiries on that, uh, do feel free to PM either of us on Twitter or you can go through the actual Facebook page to ask us any queries as well. Thank you so much to all of you. Safe travels to you all. Cast off, friends. <laughs>